What a joy it is to be here on this Lord's Day today. Last week we had Men on Mission Sunday. That was a wonderful time. And the week before we were in a series dealing with suffering. And so we go back to that today. It is the same uh, series that you are working through in your Bible study or Sunday school classes. Uh, I I'm staying with the topic. I'm not doing exactly what you do, but still we are dealing with suffering. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at reasons for why God does allow suffering. And in today's message, we're going to be speaking about responding rightly to suffering. Responding rightly to suffering. Our text will come from 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 through 19. And then also in chapter 3, verse 17. And if you're physically able this morning, I would invite you to stand with me in the honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And then in chapter 3, verse 17, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. May God bless the reading of his word today. Amen. And you may be seated. Peter was writing to the persecuted church people that were suffering, and they were suffering for the faith in Christ. What was the persecution from? Well, first, they were Christians in the first century living in a Roman culture. Secondly, historically, Nero had blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome that took place in July of A.D. 64. It was a burning that most historians believe that Nero had started the fire for wicked intentions of rebuilding Rome to meet his desires. But he blamed the Christians to take the heat off of himself. And so the persecution against the Christians in that day were like the fire heating up. As stated weeks ago in one of our messages on suffering, there are three different types that we suffer, three different ways that we suffer, that suffering grips us. First is externally, external circumstances. 
and then internally, our body, our mind, and of course spiritually as well. It is interesting also to note that these three uh, play off each other. They are so connected because that's who we are as human beings. External suffering can cause internal suffering, can lead to to spiritual suffering. And so spiritual suffering can also bring about internal suffering and can also lead to external suffering if we are not careful. The Christian community that Peter was writing to were experiencing external persecution. But the pressure that they were facing as Christians was also leading to emotional and spiritual challenges in their life. And Peter writes here to encourage them to respond rightly to suffering so that they would not lose hope and become bitter. He admonished them, as we just read in these beautiful scriptures, to trust in the Lord in their test and fiery trials and to be obedient while waiting to see Christ's glory, to suffer with Christ, receiving a greater blessing and reward. My hope and prayer has been that for this morning we will take this real text that was delivered unto real people and speak to real people in these pews today, in this room that also might be suffering in one of these ways. That we too might respond rightly to the external, the internal, and the spiritual ways in which we suffer that we too will not lose hope or become bitter, that there will be a trusting in the Lord and a drawing closer to Christ, a Christ that suffered with us and for us. Let's pray. Father, we cannot imagine the suffering that you took on our behalf. When we suffer, Lord, help us to know that we are suffering with you because no one has suffered like you did. And God, as our high priest, would you minister unto each person in these pews today whether life is going well for them right now, help prepare them, or if they are in the midst of storms and suffering, Lord, as we sing, keep them safe until the storm passes by. Speak to us, Lord, through your word, and I ask, Lord, that you would use a very unqualified servant today to minister unto your people. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In thinking of these things, the last couple of weeks of responding rightly to suffering, the first I wrote down is kind of a prequel. We like prequels in our day, especially our movies. You know, when I was young, you might get a flash of a movie in, in the movie that goes back and helps tell some of the backstory. But in today's time, there are movies set aside, just prequels. They go back and tell the full story. And I would say, first of all, to respond rightly to suffering is that we must prepare for suffering. Now, I don't mean living every day in fear, and I don't mean walking around with a doomsday mentality by no means. I'm just simply saying that there are many other things in life that we prepare for. If we're going on a camping trip, we prepare for that, right? 
I hope so, or your wife will be very upset. If we're preparing, if we're going to move, we prepare for that move. In many weeks and in months in advance, if we have a test, we prepare for that test. If we're going to a sporting event or we're participating in sporting events, we prepare for that. We also prepare for other uncertainties like storms. We hear the newscaster and we prepare for those storms many times. We have life insurances for health, vehicle, and home policies that help prepare us for the events that we do not know when they will come and strike. They come at unknown times, and yet, in many ways, we prepare for those. And yet, sadly, in our time today, we are not as quick to prepare ourselves emotionally or spiritually for suffering. We don't think about it as much. Jesus most certainly is a very present help in time of trouble, and yes, none are truly ready for certain sufferings. Let me make that perfectly clear. The loss of jobs, the loss of loved ones, homes, health, etc. We're never fully prepared for those. However, we know that suffering comes. We know that none of us escape this life without suffering in one way or another, and it comes without notice many times. And so like we prepare for big events, expected or not, in the physical world, we should also prepare for spiritual events. How do we do that? We do that through faithful prayer, through Bible study, through worship that you're doing today church family relationships, building healthy support systems, and also the service that we do for the glory of God. All these things help us prepare. These are pillars that we need to build upon the foundation of Christ to be prepared when suffering of any kind arises. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 Peter writes to the church, he said, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Being prepared in your faith in times of suffering. Remember, again, he was writing to Christians that were suffering. He goes on to give another example in verses 18 through 20. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Peter takes us back to the Old Testament, to the patriarch Noah, and reminds us that for over a hundred years Noah built this ark. But when the flood waters began to rise, only eight people were saved. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his three daughter-in-laws. So he speaks to us about being prepared for these times. 
Brothers, sisters, suffering comes to us in different ways. And we must prepare beforehand and anchor deep in Jesus Christ in the truth of the Word of God. That means being prepared in times of joy, in times of happiness, in times of abundance. Because all of those can change in the snap of a finger. And so we must prepare beforehand. Secondly, Peter tells them don't be surprised by these sufferings that they were experiencing. In verse 12, we read that of chapter 4. He said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Christ promised his disciples that the world would hate them because they hated him. And we also are promised persecution along with many other types of suffering. Everyone suffers, Christians included. And many times, Christians throughout history have suffered to a greater degree, at least externally. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 reminds us that there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There is a time to be born and a time to what? Die. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Like Job proclaimed, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job also learned that when the Lord has taken away, he gives and gives and gives again. And so suffering, though difficult for all of us, in the grand scheme of life should not surprise us, at least as it does. There is a season for all things, even the painful. And God uses them all the same for His glory to be revealed and for our ultimate good, whether we see it in that time or not. So we must prepare for suffering. Secondly, we should not be surprised by suffering as we are. But He speaks another eternal wisdom here in Verse 19, entrust your life to God. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. The Greek word for entrust there gives the idea of someone making a deposit, like someone making a deposit of their money into a bank for safekeeping. You are entrusting your funds, your goods, your riches into the hands of the banker in a bank. In suffering and even in times of abundance, we as Christians, we've got to entrust our lives to Jesus Christ. And especially in times of suffering, we are trusting Him and entrusting our lives unto an all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing, and sovereign God that is not surprised by anything. He is never at a loss of knowing what is happening and what to do. And in this truth, we can find rest and peace even in times of great suffering. And so, when we entrust our lives to this all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, sovereign God. We are resting our soul in Him, and it causes us to say things like this. Yes, 
Things are worse than I expected. But Jesus. Yes, it looks like it's too late. But Jesus. Yes, maybe they would be better off without me. But Jesus. Yes, I am a great sinner. But Jesus. Yes, it looks like I should just give up. But Jesus. You see, brothers and sisters, we plead not ourselves, but we plead the promises of Jesus. Not our strengths, but His. Our weaknesses, yes, but His greater mercies. Our way of fighting is to hide behind Jesus who fights for us. We entrust our souls to Him and we find rest. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed, when He returns. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And so we should prepare for suffering. We should not be surprised by suffering. In the midst of suffering, or every day, we should entrust, make a deposit of our lives into the hands of an almighty, creating God. But lastly, Peter also lists something else that he speaks about in chapter 3 and in chapter 4. But first, look at verse 19 of chapter 4, the latter part. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. What are those last three words? While doing good. While doing good. And again, look at chapter 3, verse 17 that we read earlier. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Look again at verse 15 of chapter 4, if you will. In the midst of their persecutions, Peter reminds them of something very important. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. How interesting that he puts meddling in the same sentence with murders and thieves. When we are approached by suffering, not only should we entrust our lives to God, but we also must respond by choosing to do good and healthy things during our seasons of suffering. Because if we do not respond correctly, here's what happens. We make suffering worse. Compounding it with more suffering from poor and sinful decisions that do not bring the Holy Spirit's comfort into our lives. You know, you think most murderers, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm very intrigued by those documentaries of those things. I, I enjoy watching documentaries upon people and what they've done. That just intrigues my mind. Most murderers had traumatic events in their life. Most of them did. Not all, but most of them did. They had traumatic events in their life, in their childhood, in their teen years. But they made it worse through choosing to take the life of others. 
The same with thieves. Most people, except for some illnesses that cause some people to do that, most thieves don't just start stealing for no reason. A lot of times there was some traumatic event. Sometimes it was out of what they seemed or thought of desperation, of fear of not having. But they chose to steal. The same with evildoers. Most people that do wicked things, again, we look into their back, the backstory or the prequel of their lives and we see where they had traumatic events in their lives, but they made it worse through doing evil. And meddlers, I love that. Meddlers. I have watched all my life some people meddle nonstop. And then when people get mad, they're the victim. Blows my mind. Meddlers. Here's what Peter's saying, and here's what I say to you today, and here is what the Lord is saying to you today, and that is that suffering is not an excuse to sin. It only makes it worse. Suffering is not an excuse to sin. It only makes it worse. And beloved, that goes for social media too. We meddle on social media. And then we wonder, why did I get so many negative comments in a fight start on social media? Keep your certain opinions to yourself. And don't comment on everything you disagree with. Shut your mouth and your fingers and quit meddling. It brings more suffering. Think of it. A young boy might have been rejected by his father and mother, but as he grows into his teen years, he is welcomed into a family, a family of other boys that live on the streets, much like himself. However, he finds with time that this new family is, is an angry group and wrathful, and they plunge the young man into sin and terrible lifestyles and law breaking, and then eventually this young man ends up in prison. Terrible lifestyles. People dealing with loss and disappointments and trauma are suffering from unfulfilled expectations of life. But instead of responding well, this is huge in our society today. They're responding by turning to drugs and alcohol. Further destroying our lives, their lives, but now we are seeing that it is destroying society around us. It is a serious problem. Turning to drugs to numb the pain of life. Think of a husband or a wife that was cheated on by their spouse, but instead of responding rightly with the Lord's help, they themselves turned to improper relationships, ultimately many times breaking up other homes, which caused more suffering for themselves and again for others around them. On and on we could go with example after example of what Peter's saying here, don't suffer for doing evil. We must respond rightly to suffering. And so not only must we rest in God, but we also need to be active with good things that will bring healing instead of further sorrow and unnecessary suffering. Some of these good things I mentioned briefly before, but one is closer communion with God through prayer 
worship, closer worship, and really meditating upon God's Word. This was also, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, one of the reasons that God does allow suffering in our lives, to make us come to Him and cling to Him more closely. And we really meditate upon God's Word, not only alone, but with friends, and with your church in a small group like Bible study and Sunday school, through our discipleship classes that are coming up on Sunday night. These are times for you to draw closer. And not only closer, but closer with other people that will help you. Secondly, I would say, read helpful Christian literature on the subject that is bringing suffering. Get spiritually educated. You speak with people, and especially faithful believers that understand what you're going through. Don't go through this alone. You were not intended to. Some things, yes, you have to walk a road alone, but God still puts travelers in your path at the right time to help you. Don't despise that. He has gifted other people to care and help and love and support. Intentional fellowship with faithful believers. We have something coming up, a Valentine's dinner. To some, that might sound silly, like something we won't do, but those are intentional times of enjoying and building relationships, even in the life of our church. Finding people to weep with you and to rejoice with you. And not just coming to church, but to build strong relationships in church. It's one of the ways that you prepare for when suffering comes beforehand. That you have a base of people that care for you, are concerned about you, that will reach out to you, that will call, that will send a card, send a text, an email, come visit. But I want to tell you, you got to get ingrained and get to know the people. I remember a few years ago, even here, and nobody would remember this person probably, and they moved away, but uh, they came like literally once every four or five months, would drop in, not speak to anybody, barely spoke to me. I found out three years later through somebody else, they asked me if I remembered so-and-so. I said, took me a while to even remember who they were. And they said, well, she said when she left, nobody checked on her. But you only came every few months. You didn't talk to anybody. You didn't get involved. I really didn't even know you. You never really filled out anything that we could follow up with you. So, yeah, it's, that's going to happen. And you can't be mad at everybody else when you have isolated yourself. These are some of the things that we do in church. We build relationships. We learn with people. We worship with people. We fellowship with people. Another good thing that we can do in times of suffering is serve others. Find a place where you can use your gifts, your talents to help others, and you'll find that as you help others heal, you too will find healing. And remember that Christ did His greatest healing when He was the most wounded for us. Something that I have found the last couple of years in my personal life is reading biographies of faithful Christians that suffered greatly in their lives and yet found God faithful and God used them mightily. I can't tell you how that has blessed my heart to read biographies of saints long ago who suffered so greatly 
and it fed my soul to read their stories. Don't be afraid to seek for help in different ways. All true help comes from God, and you do it with faith. And so we must not only rest in God's hand, like in trusting our souls into Him, our lives into Him, but we must also rush. We rest and we rush. We rest as we entrust our souls to God, but then we rush into good and positive things that help us in the season that we find ourselves in. And again, beloved, I want to say, I I look at Facebook, some too, post some things, but you're going to need more than a few memes to really help you through suffering. You need God's Word. You need God's presence. You need God's people. Most importantly... We must go daily to the man that suffered more physically, emotionally, and spiritually than any human has ever suffered before or since, the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered so much, listen, because He loved you. He suffered so much because He wants you to have joy and hope and forgiveness, and faith, and love, and eternal life, even in the midst of your suffering. Only Jesus can give that. In heaven today, there is only one pair of physical hands that are scarred from the nails driven into His flesh over 2,000 years ago. And those hands are still motioning to you today to come and to place your hand in His by faith. The suffering servant came because you suffer, because I suffered from our sins, from damnation, from isolation. He came because we suffer. He came because His people are heavy-hearted. He came because we're dying and we needed a Savior. And He still wants to breathe life into your spirit today, no matter the circumstances. And so this is the best response of action that we all must do to get through our suffering here below and to one day live in a land of no suffering is to place our hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus by faith every day the suffering servant himself. And you know what? These hands are waiting for you to put your hand in his right now. And to by faith receive him as your savior, your helper, and your dearest friend. Would you do that today? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand by faith? Knowing that God is still saving sinners, He's still encouraging His Christians, He's still working in and through our lives. And you can right now by faith today. You can call out to Him in prayer. Christ, I reach out for the nail-scarred hands that were pierced for me. I need you as my Savior and Lord. Please come into my life. Please save me.
Please help me. To the Christian suffering, Lord, I know those nail-scarred hands, but the suffering that I'm going through seems to be hiding their beauty. Would you reveal them again to me? I entrust my soul to you. Help me, O Lord, and give me faith. Give me faith to believe that you will deliver me and see me through and bring me to your everlasting home. Whatever the situation, Jesus is simply a prayer away, a prayer of faith. And those hands are always open, saying, come, come. No matter if you have failed in your life, we all have. The hands are open. No matter if there is sin in your life today, guess what? The hands are open. No matter of your suffering today, guess what? The hands are open. You might feel totally alone today, but my friend, my brothers, my sisters, the hands are open. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. 